Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text for today is the Gospel lesson appointed for the 13th Sunday in the season of Pentecost. I read to you from Mark chapter 7, starting on the first verse, and then reading down through to the 13th verse. When the Pharisees gathered to Jesus with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of elders, but eat with defiled hands? And Jesus said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or mother whatever you would have gained from me is korban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. Thus far at the text, I invite you to bow your heads with me in prayer. Gracious God and most loving Heavenly Father, we praise your name for the word that you give us because it speaks louder than the tradition of man. Help us to receive that word and especially to digest it and hold it in our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, our Lord, friends, it's a troubling day when the convention of man begins to supersede the word of God. It's problematic when we choose to think that our human ideas, morals, norms, and values are greater than what God has given us in Scripture. But it's a blessed day when we shed all that convention. Then we gleam in the light of God's mercy and grace as his beloved children become beacons of holiness to the world. Israel was to have been the beacon of holiness to the world. They were to be the representation of God's promise of salvation before all nations, pointing to the Messiah that God promised in the garden after the fall, which was to come through his holy nation by way of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Israel was set apart from the world by circumcision in the flesh, certainly, and also by the law. God gave them a moral code to follow as his chosen people. But they were also set apart from all their peoples by covenant. God chose to enter into an eternal relationship with them, setting them aside to be holy uh, and to be the holy priesthood of the world, so that all peoples from all nations would be drawn to him. But Israel saw God's covenantal agreement through that glass dimly. They abused their blessedness by not walking as God's people. 
Does that sound in any way familiar? That's what happens with us every time we choose to sin. Then our precepts, our convention, and our will step out of line with God's plan for our lives. Every time that happens, we lose sight of the gospel. Not the law, but the gospel. Every time we sin, we lose sight of the promise of our salvation. And the only thing that we have left before our eyes is the law. Think of it as being out in a raft, uh, on a raft in a stormy sea. Every time we sin, we sink into the trough or the valley between the wave. The crest, meters above our heads, blocks all hope of seeing anything else other than the waves around us. When we sing, we sink into the depths of sin and the law looms high above our heads. Are, are we lost to God? No, not at all, because he knows exactly where we are at all times. But having lost sight of God ourselves, we're quick to fear that we might drown in the storm. Many in Israel, including its religious leaders, lost sight of God and began living in the troughs of that stormy sea. This is what we need to do to survive. That was their convention. They forgot all about the promises of God and began to adhere instead to the laws of God and to force that adherence in their people. To be a good Israelite, you must walk in the ways of God's people. You must obey God and also obey our teachings because we were appointed by God to lead you through the storms of life. Imagine the sorrow and the hopelessness of that kind of living. Not only do you have God's laws to contend with, but also added to them, now you have the laws of man. The laws of man, can you imagine? Baptize everything before you eat. Ceremonially, ceremonially cleanse everything that comes in contact with your food, including your hands if you've come from the market in case you somehow came in contact with a Gentile and were defiled. Jesus points to the fallacy of all of this thinking. Defilement comes from the heart. It's not ingested, rather it's expelled. We eat what is good, God's word, and then we defile it, subjecting it to our own warped thinking. We don't like certain parts, for instance, so we add our own modifiers. As an example, Jesus uses this uh, fourth commandment, honor your father and mother. He quotes Exodus 20:12, honor your father and mother. And then to reinforce the seriousness of this holy commandment, he quotes Exodus 21:17, which says, whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. Then he points to the Pharisees and he says, But you say, if a man tells his father or mother whatever you would have gained from me is korban, that is, given to God, you're off the hook. Obviously, someone wiser than God ingested God's word, molded about in his gut for a while, and expelled it according to his own warped thinking. It emerged from his bowels, as an escape clause, if you don't wish to support your parents in their old age, all you have to do is say, I'm giving all of that to the temple. I'm giving it to God to bless my God instead of my parents. The money, the work, the heart, the love, the honor, everything. But not necessarily now. I'm going to do that sometime before I die. How does that human convention honor anyone's father or mother? And how does that human convention keep anyone from dying? It instead destroys both the parent and the child 
inasmuch as it completely excludes the grace of God foreshadowed in the commandment and condemns them all to death by greed. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, friends, if that's how you've been processing God's word, um, for your own sake, please stop. Your human convention will not only cause you and those around you great suffering, but if you continue on in those ways, your rebelliousness could even cost your life. And that's not God's plan. Jesus charged the scribes and the Pharisees of Jerusalem with the very crime they charged him. He declared them hypocritical in their ways and heretical in their teachings, substantiating his accusations in Scripture. Their, their accusations stood only upon human convention, his upon the very word of God. Did they hear and repent of their sins? Scripture in no way reveals that. It leaves the question completely open, and therefore it causes us to pause and reflect upon their fate. Did they change their convention to, uh, their convention to follow God's word? Did they come to the realization that God's plan of salvation, the very seal of their covenant, was raised up on the cross before their own uh, their their very eyes? Did they ever, therefore, become unconventional with respect to their human thinking? The greater question out of that might be, are we any different with our own thinking? Have we come out of our own convention to become unconventional? The Apostle Paul writes, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all and uh, over all rule and authority. Uh, that's Colossians 2, 8 uh, to 10. In other words, see to it that no one gets your goat. You belong to Christ. In a very real sense, God has made you unconventional. He did so by extending his hand down to you to pull you up out of that storm-tossed sea so that you could see, rest your eyes upon the incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension of his one and only Son. There's your salvation. It's not in human convention, not in any of the rules that you might establish or any of the people around you might establish. It's not even in God's holy and just laws, but rather it's in Christ who died and rose again to give you life for all eternity. You have life in him who sits at the right hand of God, who has uh, the authority over all things, and who has sent you the spirit of truth. And so it will continue to be, because God will always guide you to the truth by his word and spirit. Your key verse for this week comes to you from the prophet Jeremiah. Your words were found and I ate them, and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. It's a powerful reminder that it is God's word that satisfy all human need, uh, that word is fulfilled in Christ and not in human convention.
feed upon those words and those truths to all eternity. Once again, that's Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. May you be unconventional and then uh, live in those words of life and live in the joyousness of what they promise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God and most loving Heavenly Father, we rejoice at the word that you give us. It indeed does fill our soul. And we ask, Lord God, that we be turned away from human convention, from the thoughts of our hearts and the uh, ill-spoken doctrines of um, uh, the churches that may surround us. Uh, Lord God, uh, help us to ever focus on your word, to test it always by looking deeply into scripture, and especially to be blessed by it, as you promise. In Jesus' name, amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Amen. Amen.